0: Welcome back to the Tony Casillas show I'm Tony Casillas and this is my second episode and then I am still so excited about having my own show and I'm really excited about our guest today. Hey, this is how this works. and. By the way, there's no debating that. Get it? Debating? That's been kind of crazy. I know that's probably a dad joke, but anyways, you get the point. Uh, This show, every week we have uh, on our show, we have a celebrity athlete, uh, first responder, uh, police officer, uh, military veteran, uh, authors, business entrepreneurs. We're going to bring them here. and During the interview, get more into insightful things, whether it's the whole life uh, skills, and whether it's success, whether it's failures, whether you know, the business or what they're doing, we get into that. And I'm really excited about the two segments we have. We have the X's and O's, and it's not X's and O's about playing football and game planning. We do enough of that. Uh, but it's about relationships. It's about dating. It's about real, real things and that happen every day and connected. And also we do binge watching because, let's face it, during COVID 19, we've all watched a lot of TV. I got the COVID 19, and that's not, it's right around my waist. But I, the thing that I like to do is like to ask people what have they've been watching. What do they recommend for their, their next Ben's watch? So, but, and also, we're, we're always going to get into football because that's in my DNA. So we're going to cover my thoughts of the, the past Cowboy game and the upcoming game in the National Football League and all around. And here's what I also want you to do. Make sure you're on social media during our, our broadcast. And make sure you, you watch it. Uh, and think of different questions because during, uh, during the broadcast and during future shows, we're going to have really, really nice giveaways. So I'm really excited about that. So make sure you follow us on social media. Every week we have a great guest and I thought this would be a great guest to have on because of the climate in which we live in, uh, the social injustice and the, how police officers protect us. So I thought it'd be a great idea to be, bring on a guy that's been in Uh, the part of the law enforcement for 17 years works in the city of Dallas, knows a little bit about things that are unwinding and unraveling right now, if you will, that'd be Larry Bankson Jr. with the Dallas police officer, the law enforcement 17 years. Hey, welcome to the show Ben. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. Now I I wanted to, I want to ask you this. I know I I read your bio and you actually had aspirations to be an athlete. Yeah, I think you made the right decision. (laughs) I mean, by the way, you, you look like you can still play the game. Uh, you, you you went to college, uh, got injured, went to P- Pine Bluff uh, College, Community was it community college or no, college? No, no, it was
1: a historically black university.
0: Okay. Um, Pine
1: Bluff, Arkansas, going to Lions.
0: Right, and, yeah. you, and I guess some injured injuries set you back, and then that's when you decided that you should look into other uh, opportunities and have different aspirations.
1: Yeah, um, it was a few things like that. It was, you know, the politics of everything started kicking in, and I was like, no, nah, man, this is not for me. So um, I ended up having a son early too, so I needed to get into the workforce. I didn't have time to be <laughs> chasing that dream, man. I was was a little managed.
0: <laughs> and also, I, you know, me being a former athlete playing for the Dallas Cowboys, I also read you're a big Kansas City Chief fan.
1: Yes, I am. You got to be pretty happy
0: about the Chiefs, right? <laughs> I, now. I really
1: am. Yeah, <laughs> very happy about the Chiefs right now. Yeah, uh, but I'm not against the Cowboys. I, I oh. support the Cowboys too. I just, I, I mean, I don't know. This is not a sports. Uh, conversation, but exactly. I support them as well.
0: Yeah, well, it's just, it's good. And so then you decided that you you know, law enforcement was kind of your calling and felt like it was something you're compelling. When did you decide that you wanted to make that move?
1: Um, When I got serious about it, uh, it was after 9-11. I had always um, after college and uh, when I was, I played a little bit of minor league football and stuff like that. When I was doing that, I had people tell me that, hey, man, you ought to consider being a police officer. It's it's not like you think it is. And I always had a negative vibe towards going towards law enforcement because of the community I grew up in. But then once I started maturing and getting wiser, and after 9-11, I thought, you know what, maybe this might be something I need to look into. Because um, I'm still a proud American, you know. Right. So so I um, looked into it, and when I started looking at it deeper and looking at how the black community looked at law enforcement, I was like, you know what? I think it is important that I make this move because we need people like me to be able to bridge that gap and, and change the dynamic of the culture, not just in, in, not just a culture of law enforcement, but also the culture of the black community so that they understand that they have constitutional rights, just like everyone else to, uh, take care of their families and, 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 and the whole nine, and, and try to do something about uh, the whole prison system. Uh, you know, you got people in the hood feeling like they have to take these these routes to make the money that some people are making legitly. And I was thinking, man, it has to be a way. It's one of those get <laughs> rich soon. Right, yeah. yeah. But, it, but trying to figure out how to actually get to people that were once – in my position, but they didn't have the opportunities that I had because, you know, sports, I think I believe the sports kept me out of trouble. Right. So some of those guys that I grew up around, they I was too young to understand the position that they were in. But when I got older and I look back on it and, you know, you, you think about it and you realize, man, you know what? That guy's parents were on crack, you know, or that guy's uh, father wasn't in the household. and He had to help support his mother or whatever the case may be then you start looking at the community from a different set of lenses. And and that's one of the things that, you know, propelled me into becoming a police officer.
0: And that's, a, that's a great, uh, you know, inspiration to people to find a really legitimate career. I think it's interesting, because 911, I think everyone that was that was unfortunate to watch that, that, right. that yeah. event happened, to be that compelled to like, I want to make a difference, not only that, to to be a minority in mm-hmm. the police force and being an uh, inspiration. Now, how is that perception of other people that are African-American? How is the perception and how does that relate to your job?
1: Uh, you asked me the, the the stigmatism that is how I'm looked at as a police officer? Yes. it's. I find that it's, I would say, 60, 40. The majority of people support me especially when I, when, I, when I interact with them. Some people just don't like police. I mean, they just are conditioned. I don't think it's personal. I think that they look at the uniform and the badge, and it's a sim- symbol of what is oppressing them. That's, right. They feel that that's what it is. So I would say it's around 60, 40 in, in the black community. But I don't know, man. After these protests and stuff, I don't know. The white community was coming pretty hard, too.
0: Yeah. And, and that kind of leads me to my other question because we, I mean, let's face it. I mean, this year uh, has been just blown up with social injustice and everything on, right. that we've seen. And and we've everyone has an opinion about that. Um, how does that how does that change the way you police now and the way that you handle people that really that need to be policed? And how does that the perception is, is you mentioned earlier? I mean, how does that change your job? Fortunately, it, it hasn't changed my job
1: because of where I come from. That's what I believe. I, I've always policed from a community base, uh, you know, getting involved with the community. That's what, how I've always policed that way. But I think that uh, more of my coworkers are understanding how important that is today because it doesn't just affect the community, but it, it affects them. You know, like, you got to think about it. You handle a citizen in the wrong way. In this point in our history, mm-hmm. you can lose your job. And if you lose your job, you're gonna hurt your family, you know? So it the I mean it's it's a it's a tough position to be in for officers right now. It, yeah. it really is. But but at the same time, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for um for law enforcement for law enforcement across the nation. You know, we have rules in place because of what people did before us. You, you know how that works. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, some of the bull crap that they did, they shouldn't have done. Yeah. Yeah. It's the bottom line.
0: And there's good people and bad people. And now look, I, I, I mean, I have times where I have anxiety when I see a police officer right. and I'm going over the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> and right. And he pulls <laughs> yeah. me over. Yeah. I'm mad. Yeah. But the thing about it, though, is if someone's intruding my house. Right. And I got to pick the phone up. And the first call I call 911, I want to have a police officer come out there. Right. That should never change.
1: Never. Never. And you know, and people have to understand we're trained to handle those situations. I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe in people exercising their second amendment rights. And that's, uh, could be part of this conversation as well, because I don't think the black community has been conditioned to understand they have constitutional rights that they can exercise because essentially the citizen is really the, uh, first responder. We come after they call us. Some people understand it a little bit more than others. So, um, but but anyway, with that being said, uh, what you going back to what you were saying? Yeah, we don't want to get to a point where we start messing with uh, law enforcement. Where you know, we, we, you got this this narrative defund the police and uh, demilitar- demilitarize mm-hmm. the police, and these and all these different things. You have to understand we're dealing with a lot of layers in our society that. It's different today from when you and I grew up. Like, for example, the, some of the criminals have better weapons. A lot of them have better weapons than we do, and they definitely have better ammunition. And what I mean by that, our ammunition is designed, if it if we have to use it, to, to hit someone and stop. Some of the ammunition that's out on the street is designed to go through our body armor. So if they're shooting anything, you know, even in this room, it could go through that brick and keep coming and hit you or hit me or something like that. And those are some of the things that we have to be conscious of when when we're dealing with all these different situations.
0: Yeah. My question is, is, is now the way, and you just mentioned that things Mm -hmm. have changed the way that you, you pull someone over and Mm -hmm. the assumption that maybe they're, you know, by the, a warrant or anything that's out there that they may be a bad guy. When you go up to a car and the anxiety now that you have, and as you mentioned earlier, it's changed. I mean, you can't do the things that you did three years ago. Right? How does that change your anxiety as far as dealing with people that you need to deal with and give them, you know, provide authority?
1: It it really is. Um...
0: That would be the diffi- That would be the <laughs> most difficult. And I'm yeah. glad we have you on to ask that yeah. question. Yeah. Because that's the the problem with it. If you need to you need to have your weapon or you right. need to be more on you need to deal with that person a little different than pulling Tony over with a speeding ticket. I mean, in right. certain instances, yeah. right? Right. I, that to me would be very compelling and very hard to do.
1: It, it is. It's a, um, it's a very difficult place to be in. I mean, cause technically, according to on paper, our peace can't be breached, but we're human. So if we walk up to a car and this person is being belligerent and talking to you disrespectfully and like you said, you know, just because you're the citizen and you're having a bad day doesn't mean that officer is not having a bad day. I talk about that often. You know, officers have a high divorce rate. You don't know what that, that officer is going through that day. So essentially, I believe that's something that we need to look at is um, figuring out how to lessen the stress when citizens and officers come in contact with each other, period. Because if this person's in crisis that you're pulling over <laughs> and you're in crisis about something you're dealing with at home, I just had to kick out two boys out of my house, my, two of my sons. I, You know, I don't, I don't think I was in crisis to the point where I probably would have abused a citizen, but I'm different. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how another officer might have to deal with that. And he's, or she is going up to a car to just do a simple traffic stop and then that person starts being disrespectful and that officer's having a bad day, that citizen's ha- having a bad day, that can turn into something explosive.
0: Is that? Is that, would that be the, f- the first thing you'd have to start with as far as trying to, uh, I, I, I guess for lack of better words, to try to provide therapy, not therapy, but to really find out and kind of decipher the the people are having bad days. Where, right. where they yep. their reaction may be more uh, <laughs> would would be more compelling and be more uh, uh, with force.
1: No, not with force. It it just depends on the situation. So, I I consciously every person that I'm about to approach, I prepare myself for whatever attitude they may have, and. And this is just me,
0: but not everybody's like you, <laughs> right? I, I, mean, I know,
1: yeah. And, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but
0: no, no, I, yeah. I I think it's a great thing to talk about because yeah. not everyone has that type of personality that can, that, you know, that can funnel all those emotions right. from having a bad day and take it out on someone else, right?
1: Because I've seen this happen before, and I'm I truly have, and I'm pretty sure every officer that's listening to this has has been through this if they have taken the time to talk to a citizen when you're confronting them about, maybe it's a traffic stop, maybe it's a pedestrian stop, maybe it's a call that you went to and you said, hold on man or ma'am, you know, what's really wrong? And then when you start talking to them, they start just pouring out all these emotions.
0: And that they're they going, calm down they because calm everyone's down. anxious when a police officer pulls you over.
1: Right, right, and you just never know what people are going through and people are going through a lot, especially today. You know, like, you know, we're dealing with COVID uh, we're dealing with all these um these protests and people being afraid of police and not understanding you got young people that that when they see officers now they they get a little nervous you know was, there was a video of a kid hiding when a, a patrol car was driving past and i thought that was really sad but you know like i said earlier um these are these are things we need to address as a society we can't address it on one side. The police can't be the only ones addressing it and the citizens can't be the only one addressing it. Me personally, I think that uh, the communities that have a lot of interaction with police, mainly the poor communities, those are the ones that call the police the most. I personally believe that those groups are the ones, like, and when I say those groups, I mean like those citizens and those poor communities and those patrolmen that are out patrolling every day need to have some sort of organization where they come together and discuss what works and what doesn't work and what we should take to legislation, what we should remove or keep and things like that. Because you have people making rules and laws and stuff that really don't encounter police officers that much. They're not the ones having the encounters. The elite of our society, if they come in contact with an officer, is hey, how you doing? You know, they see him at the gas station or at a restaurant or something like that. It's not that they're being pulled over and being... Uh, stressed out about a ticket they may possibly have to pay versus paying a utility bill. You you get
0: where I'm going with that? No. Yeah. Yeah. So what is more important?
1: Right. (laughs) And and when an officer pulls someone over in a poor community, those people are really thinking about that. Like, oh man, if I get this ticket, I got all these things coming up, I got to take care of. And if he gives me this ticket, it's going to be between not letting this ticket go into warrant status
0: or paying this utility Yeah, pay. and that's a that's a great perspective. Yeah, you mentioned COVID nineteen. I want to talk about the community and what we can do as far as justice and everyone else. That, you know, because it's a big picture. How's COVID nineteen changed the way you? I asked you about policing, but as far as just dealing with people, because now you we have all this social distancing. Yeah, how's that changed over the last six months?
1: But initially. It it like stopped everything. Like I don't think any traffic stops were being done. <laughs> I think a lot of people were probably enjoying the benefits of COVID. <laughs> I was gonna ask you that. Did, did yeah. you just see a
0: spike in everyone?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Um I think what did spike because everybody had to stay home was family violence. That spiked. But uh but other than that, it stopped a lot of um, you know, things where you had to do one-on-one contacts with citizens and stuff like that. And I think it kind of slowed that so down. So
0: I guess my question, what was a priority? Traffic tickets? No,
1: the, the, know, no the, that definitely wasn't a priority. A
0: family you know, yeah, violence? Family violence
1: was a, a yeah. priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, violent crimes, uh, uh, you know, theft, right. stuff like that, like property theft mm-hmm. and things like that. Those were the main things. But I think violent crime was like at the top of the list. Yeah.
0: So you, you saw an increase in a lot of those different crimes. Uh, the beginning. Family,
1: fa- uh, yeah, family violence was was a big one. We saw a big increase in that because you, you had to stay home. Everybody had to stay home and get along with each other, and that wasn't happening. You know what I mean? Or if they had some kind of uh, abuse problem, some kind of substance abuse problem, they were doing it, and when well, that happens. We know what happens from there. So. My violence
0: was more <laughs> arguing with my kids when they came home. They went, yeah. Nothing I had to call the police, but yeah. you around well, spending that much that's, time that's, around yeah, each other and yeah. stressed out all the time. Yeah, it can spawn out. Right.
1: And that's the problem I had. Like mine, they, they get this sense of entitlement. They Like weed should be legal and they want to smoke it in the house. So I'm like, man, are you out your mind? You know, like I can't <laughs> smoke it in here. I'm a policeman. You know, so.
0: If it's a law, you can't break it.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit up and say, you know, my thing was with with my kids was, you're not going to disrespect me like that, man. You can't even drink in here. But it's a different society we live in. You can't discipline the way we, I don't know about you, but I used to get whoopings. I can't, you know, you can't touch kids now. You touch a kid, oh especially gosh, as a policeman. I have
0: vivid memories of that. <laughs> yeah. Of getting, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can't do that, man. Yeah. Like, I get fired for that, you know, so
0: got to go. Well, just in your, you know, in law enforcement, you can't do the things you used to do, which some of those things maybe people shouldn't have done you can't do now, right? You know, you mentioned the Mm -hmm. communities and, you know, different types of communities and really just the information and what communities need to do to try to really how we can find a a solution to work together. What do you see as far as the police working with uh, you know, the community and with, with people, I mean, we have a lot of movements going on right now, Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Movement. What is the best thing that you think that could really, really help bring everybody together?
1: I believe that um, we need to, when I say we, I'm saying police officers. I believe that we need to be ambassadors of the communities that we serve. And what I mean by that is we are on, the, we're, we're a boot on the ground, and once again, I'm talking about the patrolman. And so you see what that community's in need of. Communities have different needs. You know what I mean? Like a Hispanic community might just need um, a certain thing that's different from a black community, you know, an Asian community. But as far as the, the poorer communities,
0: what, for, for example, what, what may a Hispanic neighborhood need more than a, a black community, opposed to an Asian community? Well,
1: this is what I see what I've seen in the Hispanic community is that they are afraid to call the police because they don't want to be deported.
0: Good point. So yeah. if,
1: if they get robbed now, yeah. you know, like they may get paid from their, uh, their job, they get paid cash or whatever, or they cash a check somewhere and they put their money in their boot. These are things that I've seen. I'm not trying to say anything out of line or anything. I'm just telling you, uh, yeah, it's
0: common knowledge.
1: Right. And so some predators know that. And when they know that, they bop them upside the head, pull the boots off, take their money, and they never call us. Sometimes we just happen to roll up on it. And we say, hey, man, you know why didn't you call the police? Well, someone to tell me in English he was afraid or she was afraid that she would get deported. I'm like, oh, that's really sad. We, we really need to do something about this. this. This is not right. Anything bad that's happened in any community in America like that, I believe that it needs to be addressed because eventually it will come to your doorstep. Amen. In some, some kind of way. And that's one of the things that happens in in the um in the, in the Hispanic community that i hate I hate that <laughs> because I can't stand somebody to take somebody's stuff. I could deal with a drug dealer much better than I could deal with a with a uh someone stealing and just robbing people like that 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 really bothers me
0: wow well yeah? i it makes sense because as you mentioned, to be deported and go back to where they were before right. and not be able to have the opportunity to you know live the American dream and right. make more money. Um, you made a, you wrote an interesting article, um, I believe it was 2017 related to yep. Colin Kaepernick. Right. And I think it really struck, struck a nerve with you because right. a lot of people mm-hmm. like now when they see athletes during that time kneeling, right, they think that they should honor the people that fought, fought for freedom right, and they shouldn't have any feelings because they're being paid millions of dollars wrong. and 70%. And I, it seems to me that maybe 75% of the athletes are African America, right? You didn't like that. I mean, what what were what your thoughts when you really, and it's a great article, we'll make sure people know, it. we'll uh, post it on social media, you did an outstanding job. Thank you. But what yeah. was your point in, in writing that? My point,
1: my point in writing it was, is that you're focusing on the wrong thing. First of all, those, those athletes were saying that they support America, they support the troops. And, the kneeling was no disrespect towards the flag. It was a peaceful protest with which the constitution allows us to do. So they're exercising their constitutional right to say, Hey, I'm popular enough to show you there's a problem here where I come from. And I want your support in saying, can, can we as a people help with this, this, this problem in this community, in the black community. So, for people to take that narrative and push it in another direction where they, they were saying that it's disrespectful to the flag and stuff like that, it really bothered me. Because you have these guys that are coming from these neighborhoods where the legal system has been unfair for centuries uh, you know, towards them and towards people that look like them. And so when they get in a position where they can do something about it, they should be able to do that. And and they're contributing to their con their contribution to the um, the economy and everything is great. You know the things that they're the the, the numbers that they're generating, and you're not even going to listen to the to really your the, the spectacle is that's making a sport so great. It's the black athlete. Mm-hmm. Let's just be real about it. It's the black athlete that's making the sport so great. So if if your main product is saying, hey, there's a problem from where I come from. Can you help me with this? Not just the NFL, but citizens across America. So for people to take that in a, in a negative way and not listen, actually, that's why we are where we are today. Yeah, if, if they would have listened back then, I don't believe that all this stuff that happened with George Floyd
0: would have happened. Yeah. And the name of the article, the publication is a good Men project. It's a great, you had an outstanding job. And, and, and look, uh, now, you know, the way that and you mentioned the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor is a is an African American and watching the protest and seeing it every week, we're seeing it now in the NBA, we've seen it throughout, you know, sports, more notably the NBA, because they've really made a, a point to make sure that it stays relevant, which I agree, right? Do you think that there's too much of the protesting? Do you think it gets kind of lost in translation yes. what it really represents?
1: Yeah. D- I think that it's gotten lost in translation. I think that at one point, like after what happened with George Floyd, that was the time to sit down and have that uncomfortable conversation to come to a comfortable solution. That was the time to do it. But then we allowed, and I'm saying, I'm not talking about just black people, I'm saying anybody that supported the the changing of things that needed to change for that community, anybody that supported it, that was a time to to sit down and have that conversation. But you allowed all these different, I don't even know what to call them, organizations and groups to come in and start doing doing this rioting and it, it just totally took it away from where it could have been a very positive thing for all Americans. Right. It just it just got lost. Like you said, it got lost in translation. Now yeah. everything got all mixed up with, um, and, and it's kind of still happening. You know, you got mixed up with, um, I think Antifa. Yeah, one there's of so them. many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah, very,
0: yeah. A, a group that really is uh, controversy and then right. really uses more of a force and more of, of looting and rioting, more of a, a, a protesting. Which right. I was going to so it leads me to another question. As far as all the protesting that's gone on and mm-hmm. throughout the country, Dallas, Portland every, you know, a big city, to see the protesting and lo- looting and, and the violence go on, how difficult is that as a police officer to watch that and allow it happen whenever you know that you're, it could be in harm's way, right. to, to really know when, hey, when when can I, can I do something now to protect me and right. protect people of business that right. that are, you're relying on that for their livelihood?
1: Yeah, it's... it's- it's very difficult, especially to me, that would be very. That, it's that would extremely be, difficult. That would be, that'd be hard. Yeah, especially when uh, you know your heart's desire is to be that hero. You know to make sure that your communities are being taken care of, and then you got people uh, being miseducated about some of these things that they're, they're they're protesting about, or you know, even me being a black officer on the front line in some of the things that were are 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 said are said to us, some of the insults that are yelled at us. We're on the front lines. They call us sellouts, coons, and all these different names and stuff like that.
0: So unfair. Yeah,
1: and I even had to to tell a young white girl, I was like, you know, are you going to yell at me or are you going to have a conversation with me? I was on the front line. I actually took my helmet off to have a conversation with a group that she was with. And I said, you do realize when Martin Luther King and all those people were marching back during the civil rights movement, they were marching so I could be in this uniform right here today. Did you know that? Yeah. And she was like, well, what do you mean? I said, are you going to talk to me? Or are you going to yell? She said, no, I'm going to talk to you. I said, okay, well, what I mean is when a lot of these police departments were started, Dallas included, black officers could not arrest white people. So if we couldn't arrest white people, if you had white supremacist white officers that were, had bad intentions, rogue officers or whatever, and they want to go into the black community and do malicious acts, who was going to stop them? And she got quiet. I said, "That's why the Black Panther Party was formed. I'm not trying to bring the Black Panther Party into this. I'm saying that's why they were formed. But then, because of the Civil Rights Movement, it gave me the power to have this badge and be able to arrest anybody that's breaking the law or, you know, causing problems. And now you're asking me why? Am I, why am I over here? Did you even know that?" And she was like, "No." I was like, "Oh my God." So you're you're protesting, but you haven't even educated yourself on, you know, why these things are happening. I'm in this. I'm the protest in action.
0: Do you think, <laughs> do you think people like that, you know, white, you know, people that yeah. that mm-hmm. that are out there protesting, and they may have, you know, they may their motive may be okay. I mean, may be good. Yeah. They don't know that, as you mentioned, they're not educated on what really. Right. Goes on, right? I mean, how? I mean, to me, if you could give any advice to someone out there in this regard, what would you tell them? I, w-
1: I would tell them, you know what? It's nothing wrong with protesting. That's a constitutional constitutional right. But you have to do it. You have to do it properly if you want to be heard. Because once you start doing things that are, uh, you know, basically you're breaking a law, you're being malicious, things like that you're not being heard anymore it's just like if you're trying to have a discussion with your parent and your parents start yelling at you are you gonna are you gonna hear that if they're trying to talk to you and they just start yelling you're not gonna hear that they so, better hear me i mean yeah they, they're gonna hear you <laughs> but it's not gonna be effective okay. <laughs> I, yeah yeah i know
0: exactly that. yeah
1: so that, that's one of the, that's one of the things i say and then, it doesn't work right <laughs> <laughs> and then educate yourself on what you're protesting about? Some of these people are not even... I mean, I, I personally believe a lot of these people just... This is my opportunity to to stick it to the, the man, basically. Stick it to the authority that's always writing me tickets or put my brother in jail or whatever the case may be. You know, they. this is my opportunity to, um, to get back. It's just not white people that are not educated on, uh, you know, the history of our country. It's a lot of young blacks that are not educated. I mean, during the protests... Frederick Douglass, uh, his monument was uh, vandalized. <laughs> they thought it was—I uh, guess they thought it was some white guy. I don't know what they were thinking, but I mean, you, you get no, what I'm
0: That going? is funny. Yeah. I, sometimes you just got to laugh about this thing, Because you, know, right. you can't cry or right. you know, It just drives you nuts. Yeah. That that is uh, that is amazing how this stuff just gets lost. Uh, there was two cases: Breonna Taylor, we mentioned that, and then George Floyd. Mm-hmm. What is your? What is the difference between those two cases and the the force and everything that went into it?
1: The, the George Floyd uh, situation, as far as me being a Dallas officer, and I'm not just saying this because I'm trying to put Dallas ahead of everyone or anything like that. But
0: hey, everything's bigger and better in Dallas, <laughs> right? In Texas, <laughs>
1: yeah. But we're trained <laughs> that if a if a suspect is telling you that they need medical attention, no matter, we're not medical experts. We're not doctors. We're not even paramedics. We we may be able to do a little bit of first aid. That's about it. Apply a tourniquet. You know things along those lines. Get some CPR. But but
0: that but that technique that they use
1: that was wrong. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Like they were. I mean, I would say the the officer that had his knee on his neck and he was telling him that he was in distress. At that point, the the guy wasn't resisting. He wasn't doing. Anything. I don't care if he put put himself on the ground. I don't care. I don't care if he did have a background of uh, of uh, criminal offenses. I, I don't care. He was telling you he was in distress at that point. sit him up and have a paramedic look at him. Very simple. It's for you guys out there on one guy. I mean, if you can't handle that, you shouldn't be a policeman. You, you get where I'm going? Yeah. I mean, so that, <laughs> yeah. so that
0: that takes. So when you're in an incident, the prior track record. Right. Takes present and how you handle that particular person.
1: Yes. Well, n- not to me, but well, not to you. But, yeah, but, I, but but I heard some, I've, I've, some yeah. police. Law some police officers, will run a person.
0: Oh. Oh, this is a bad dude. I yeah, he has with- a,
1: a a history of robbing or stealing cars and this net. And but what are you dealing with right now? Like, focus. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. That's how. T- that's how I train my rookies. I'm like, hey man, focus on what you're dealing with right now. I mean, don't get so out of focus that you end up getting yourself in trouble over something stupid because you're having a bias against this person. Don't do that.
0: So right. that's, yeah, and then Brianna Taylor, and we you know we saw what happened with the decision made by the attorney, right? Uh, you know, the, uh, the attorney, um, uh, the prosecutor. Yeah, that was a little different than obviously the George Floyd, right?
1: It's,
0: how but, do you how do you just separate yourself when you? You know, when you go into and you have a certain, you know, certain type of warrant, and a would-be criminals there, and with someone else, and some Mm -hmm. some innocent person loses their life, how does that happen?
1: Well, I got to go back to Dallas. You know, we we have some really good training because when we run warrants, um, when I've run warrants with SWAT, I know that they do a briefing. In that briefing, they say. Uh, This house has kids in it or elderly person with oxygen. They 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 are very thorough about knowing what's in that house. They're very thorough about knowing that they have the right house. And and before they actually hit the house, they have people watching the house to see if anything has changed even minutes before the house is hit. So I don't know what happened with that whole Breonna Taylor Taylor deal, but-
0: You think they, justice was served?
1: No. And, and the reason why I don't think so is because someone gave those officers bad intel. And I don't know, I don't think any of us knows what really happened. But in my opinion, this is just my opinion, it's not the opinion of the Dallas Police Department, this is me. I think that justice was not served and uh, someone gave those officers bad intel and no one's discussing that, you know. And there's there's other there's a few things that happened with that whole situation that was strange. Now I do think that the officer shooting through the window blindly, if that's what he did, the one that did get indicted, that's about right. You know, you can't do that. Every bullet that I shoot from my gun, or Dallas police officer shoot from from his gun or her gun, we have to know where that bullet is going. We have to be sure of our background. We have to have. Uh, you know, you can't have your finger on the trigger until you intend to shoot. You got to be sure where you're shooting, and you got to make sure if you miss, you're not going to hit something in the background that is, you know, a
0: citizen or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking, you know, just me. If if I, I get a call at 3 a.m. in the morning, right. and I'm on a on a police call, and I pull up to someone in their car, and I do a you know background on their license and their they're a criminal. Mm-hmm. How the anxiety and how I would just be able to calm my the heart rate down and not overreact. And right. so for you to be able to after seventeen years and be able to right. kind of relay that and and have a, you know people that you train that's that's quite a trait that you have there. Right. Uh, I got one more question mm-hmm. regarding, uh, what do you what do you most like about being a police officer, and what do you most what do you dislike about being a police officer now?
1: I, what I most like about being a police officer now is. Being able to uh, help people in, in in any kind of way, the way even if I'm I'm helping them on the street with um, a problem that they're having, uh, I don't tithe to churches. I tithe to the people in my community. You know, they, they they know they come up to me. They call me Unk. I say, hey, "What's up, Unk man? I'm hungry." <laughs> you yeah, know what, what I mean? That's great. And and, and and if I feel like they're legitimately hungry and, I, and they're not messing with me trying to save their money to go buy some drugs or something like that. I'm like, no, I can tell you, you're really hungry. I go feed them. And there's no amount of money that can give you that sense of gratification. Like you're doing what you were ordained to do. You know what I mean? I'm not a, uh, a person that goes to church a lot or anything like that, but I do believe in God and I am spiritual. So I, I like, I love that part of it. Really knowing that I'm helping people and even having this conversation with you to help, uh, the, Law enforcement evolve, let the system evolve across the the, the nation. I, I like doing that. I feel like it's my calling. It's my why. So that's, that's the thing that I, I like most about it. What I like least about it is the politics of it. Because I just happen to be one of those guys where I know this is my why, and that supersedes what they think at headquarters. Uh, I'm going to speak my mind. I'm that guy. I'm going to say how I feel. I'm going to say if I feel it's something right or it's something wrong. And I'll deal with the consequences however they come.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they support that. And I think they should. I think that that's a good way just talking about it. Right. I feel like just you and I asking you these questions is very educational. Thanks. A lot of yeah. things that, yeah. that you know, coming into the, the, you know, having you on the show in this interview, I did not know. Yeah. Um. As far as, uh, if, if you, if someone wants to be, you know, become a police officer. Mm-hmm. And that's their, you know, that's their, their whole passion to do that. Mm-hmm. What would you tell them?
1: First off, I would definitely tell them you have to have a love for humanity to be a police officer. Yeah, that's first and foremost. Secondly, you have to have an open mind to, to be able to, to learn and, and pick up a lot of things you got and you got to have courage. And also, you got to be someone that's determined to stay in good physical shape. I know sometimes you guys see officers and you're like, man, who are they going to catch? You know, and we don't <laughs> like that, man. But, <laughs> but, Just it, but saying, it happens. It's yeah. better
0: to see a, a guy that's yoked up like you. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, in good shape.
1: Right. And, you, and, you, and actually, you worry about that because some of those officers, if
0: they... they they're not going to catch anyone.
1: Yeah. Or if they get into a fight. Man, you going to have to get there quick. <laughs> you know,
0: back up, back real up.
1: Real fast. Yeah, so I would say uh yeah, that those are the main things. You got to have a a heart for humanity. Got to have a heart for learning, a mind for learning. You got to stay in good physical shape and you got to be able to change and adapt with the times. You know, that's that's uh that's something we're constantly doing. Well,
0: that's why we have the the the, the show cops because that's like one of the highest rated Right. shows on TV yeah so what are we gonna do with, with the, the, you know the, the whole the, the the reputation everything changes about a police officer I mean we love watching that I right you're you're getting bad guys right uh
1: I don't know hopefully we can make a show <laughs> I would like to do that because I, I think it's I think it's great and yeah. I think that's all
0: we everyone yeah. wants to be yeah. able to call and get help from the police officer right And just uh, tremendous work you've done. All right, so we kind of shift our interview here, and we have two segments called the X's and O's, and Ben's watching. So I'm going to ask you real quick, X's okay. and O's has nothing to do with sports. We all okay. you played sports yeah. and X's, X's and O's of relationships, of dating. I mean, okay. I don't know what your current situation is as far as are you taking, or I don't know if you're on the market, but first of all, uh-huh. um, what if you had to give advice to your kids mm-hmm. and I'm sure you do, right. uh, what would advice would you give them as far as the dating, as far as the app and everything else that's out there? What, what would be that? What would be Larry's advice to them? My, my advice on dating,
1: you know, because I'm, I've been divorced. I don't ever want to go through that again. That was horrible. But you need to be f- friends with someone. Um, there was a, a a guy I listened to, Bishop Miles Monroe. He he died. He died in a plane crash. But one of the things that he said that I thought was very interesting. He said, in our society, we are licensed in every profession that we do. Even driving, you got to get a driver's license. You have to. Me being a police officer, I have to go through the academy and get licensed. But we don't get licensed to be qualified to be in relationships, to be married. And so, because of that, we have a high divorce rate. So I think there's a lot of things. Well, wait a
0: second, you're you're running your credibility right now because you're telling <laughs> you don't you know don't date me, get serious because I'm, I'm I have a stressful job. No, 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 that's not that's not what I'm saying.
1: I'm I'm saying I'm saying like. Knowing what to do, I, I <laughs> yeah, know exactly what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that you have to look at a lot of a lot of different things. So basically, what I think is that you need to be friends, be friends for a while with with the person that you're interested in, like really get to know him as a friend, genuinely, and then gradually go into the intimacy of of a
0: relationship. Because you'll find someone out there. I'm on my second one. I've been married for 23 years, so okay. You you just keep searching, man. And look at you, handsome dude. (laughs) Thank you. Got a lot going for you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I wouldn't even think about it. So through all this whole pandemic, we've all watched a lot of TV. Sounds like that you're you don't may not watch or you may watch TV a little bit. Ben's watching. Watch any you have any shows on Netflix or anything that you've got into since we've been through this whole pandemic? Uh that was a
1: show called uh Kingdom. It was a MMA series mm-hmm. and that was that was pretty good. I like it. Lit. Yeah it was pretty lit. Yeah yeah it, it was about some um a guy that was a, a coach and his sons were MMA fighters and and one of them happened to be gay and it was like he had to accept that at the end and <laughs> it was real interesting. It was just a really interesting uh, show because they threw everything in there, and I was like, "Wow, man!" I mean, that's that, what you
0: see now. You see everything. Yeah, yeah. Is,
1: Now, mm, to me, they go a little bit far with it. with yeah. with it, you know. But some uh, of the
0: shows I've been watching lately, yeah. i like, "Wow, this, <laughs> yeah, this some, some yeah. really heavy duty content." <laughs> Another good show
1: um, for what we're talking about is the Shy.
0: Oh, I, have not I seen. didn't even think
1: about mentioning that. Yeah, you should watch it. It's called The Shies. It talks about Chicago. It's a, it's a it's a fictional series, but it's based on what's going on in Chicago with all the the kids murdering each other and stuff like that, and how that uh, family dynamic leads to the problems that they're having in big cities and stuff like that. So it's yeah, it's a good it's a good show.
0: I'll check that out. Yeah. Well, hey Larry, I really appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for being our guest here on my show. I mean, has a wealth of knowledge and. This your perspective 17 years protecting us the men in blue they're the guys that wear the shield are the one they're the ones that protect us so every time you next time you see a police officer like larry give them give them the support yeah, thanks a lot brother appreciate it. it thanks
1: son appreciate it.
0: much thanks to larry Banks and jr for that wonderful wonderful wealth of knowledge and uh just a tremendous perspective as far as law enforcement so thanks a lot larry all right that puts a wrap on this show uh, i want to remind you guys to follow us on all social media platforms twitter Instagram, Facebook Live, YouTube Live. Uh, upcoming, uh, we, we'll be on iTunes, but uh, that'll be determined at a later date. So, and also do this, make sure when you do watch a show, share it with five of your friends because we want to grow our platform. And also, if you share it and we create this big, big platform, there's plenty of nice prizes out there as we continue our broadcast of my show. So again, thank you so much, and as always, te amo.